to continue our series today called Hey You, Yes You. I'm going to say that again. Hey You, Yes You. Have you ever had somebody wave at you? At least you think they're waving at you. And uh, you wave back. You didn't know who they are, but you just kind of wave back because it's the polite thing to do. Only to realize that there was somebody behind you and that's who they really were waving at. And in that moment, you have a choice. You could just be cool and just pretend like nothing happened. Or you can just go, oh, I thought you were, you know. And uh, there's no good way to handle that. It's just, it is what it is. Come on, somebody. And so it's called embarrassment. And so we've been doing this series because in the Word of God, there are these moments. And I call them, hey, you moments where God will point someone out. And last week, we looked at one of those moments where God is walking through Jericho. He sees a man up in a tree, and he calls him out by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down, because today I'm staying at your house. And so it was one of those hey, you moments. Yes, you. Hey, you. Yes, you. Well, we're going to look at another one today from Acts chapter 9, starting in verse number 1. It says this, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, now that phrase, the way, means Christians, followers of Christ, If he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Here is a man by the name of Saul who... The Bible tells us was a Pharisee. And this man disliked Christians to such a degree that he actually got permission from different people to persecute Christians. And if he found any Christians, who the Bible said they were called of the way, he would throw them in jail. So he had letters written up giving him permission to persecute. This was a terrorist, you see? This was, at this point in his life, this was an evil person. But the Bible says that no one's beyond hope, amen? And so what God is doing in the world today is he's reaching out to people that we think sometimes are so far beyond hope. I've heard stories, I was in a meeting just a couple weeks ago where a Muslim man stood up who grew up Muslim but was converted to Christ and said that in the Middle East today, not 500 years ago, not 1,000 years ago, in the Middle East today, Muslims are converting to Christ by the thousands. 
Not because they're being evangelized by a person, but because they're seeing visions and dreams. Christ is showing up. They're having, in fact, one woman, I heard her testimony. She said that a bright light showed up and someone from the light called her out by name. She converted to Christ. She evangelized her family. They all converted to Christ. In fact, there's a woman who wrote a book called The Jesus Visions, and she's documenting these cases of Muslims coming to Christ by the thousands. It's happening in our world today. And this is what took place in Acts chapter 9. Paul, who would later become Paul, he he is currently called Saul. Saul is as far away from God as anyone could be. And he's on his way to persecute more Christians. And suddenly he has a divine appointment. Suddenly he just has this, this light show up. And from the light comes a voice. God always wants to lead us by a voice. It wasn't just a light and then figure it out. It was a voice that came from the light. And the voice that came from the light was his name. Saul. Saul. In fact, this was such an emphatic moment that, that the name was mentioned twice. And over again in the Word of God, in fact, where Jesus would mention people's name twice, on the other side of that was always a gentle rebuke. He saw Martha, who was complaining about her sister Mary, and he said to her, Martha, Martha, Simon wasn't acting right, so he said to Simon, Simon, Simon. He even spoke over the city of Jerusalem, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I know what that's like. My wife does that to me all the time. Brian, 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 Brian. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. It just takes one time for me to come running. And what? What I do? What's going on? So he hears this voice come from heaven. God calls him by name and just screams over Saul's life, Hey, you. And then Saul writes or or, or says back to to God, who are you, Lord? And the voice comes back, I'm Jesus. And then he says this, what do you have me to do? Now, not every one of the early manuscripts includes the first part of verse 6. So some of your translations don't have that part. But if you go to read Acts chapter 22, Paul is actually telling the story of how he was converted His name was later changed to Paul. And in Acts chapter 22, and I just want to read it to you, and we'll put the scriptures up on the screen. In verse number 6, it says this, Now it happened, here's Paul giving his own testimony. And here's what he says, Now it happened as I journeyed and came uh, near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven showed about me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Listen to what it says. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go to Damascus, and there you'll be told all the things, listen to this, which are appointed for you to do. In Acts chapter 9, it says, I'm going to show 
you the things that you must do. In Acts chapter 22, Paul's giving his testimony. He says, God spoke to me and said, these are the things that you are appointed to do. That word appointed literally means assignment. It's your your God-given assignment. These are the things that God has assigned for your life. In 1 Timothy chapter number 2, let's just flip over there and we'll put that on the screen for you as well. 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says in verse number 1, Therefore I exhort, I exhort first, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. That means you pray for your leaders. That means you pray for them even if you didn't vote for them. Ooh, that got quiet. Let me try that again. I said that means you pray for them even if you didn't vote for them. Come on now. That means on November 9th, God's still on the throne. Amen? That means it doesn't matter who's in the White House. God is going to show up. I believe that with all of my heart. And our hope is in Him. Not in political parties. Our hope is in God. I just thought I'd throw that out there for somebody here today. Needed to hear that. Verse 3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen to verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. Verse 7 says, for which, for what? For, for which, for the, the fact that there's a mediator for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Why would Paul say, I'm speaking the truth? I'm not lying, I'm telling the truth. now. I mean, you kind of assume that he's telling the truth the whole time. But he gave an emphasis on it now because he's saying, listen, you don't understand, I was not a good guy. I was a bad guy. I persecuted Christians. But God flipped the script and he turned my life upside down. And today, instead of persecuting Christians, I'm bringing people to Christ. I am introducing them to this incredible man because there is only one mediator. There's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ himself. And because of Christ, I now have a purpose. I have an appointment. I have an assignment. Hallelujah. What's my assignment? Well, the details may differ from person to person to person, but the the generality of it is the same, to introduce people to this incredible man. You know, as pastors, I don't know why, but almost every pastor I know, we feel like we have a second calling, and that's matchmaker. I don't know why, but when I find single people, I'm like, how old are you? You know, I just may know somebody. I do it all the time. My wife is like, please stop. Would you quit? I'm like, no, this is my other calling. And so, and I have a track record. I've got a few marriages under my belt. Come on now. So, so you just stick around, single people. I'm going to find somebody for you. You just, you just hang around, all right? So, 
So I don't know why, but, but we just feel like this is necessary. You know, I just, I just want to introduce you. You know, I know somebody. I, know, I might know of somebody, right? And so the truth is, is that we're all called to be matchmakers. We're all called to introduce somebody to this incredible person. Hey, I know somebody. He's good looking. I mean, isn't that important? He's good looking. Oh, man, wait till you see him. He's the most beautiful in the world. And he's rich. I mean, if you're going to get one, get a rich one. So, I mean, isn't that the truth, right? Might as well get one that's got money. So, he's loaded. He's so rich. He's good looking. Guess what? And he's patient. In fact, there's a whole list of what he's like. He is loving and patient and kind. In fact, 1 Corinthians tell us all about him. Oh, he's so loving, right? That's the goal. That's the, that's the purpose. That's, that's why we exist. Listen, you exist for a reason. Think about the fact that you could have been born at any moment in history past. You could have been born at any moment in history future, but you're born right now. You could live anywhere in the world. You could be in Canada getting ready to freeze, but instead you're in South Florida. How did you get here? You say, well, you don't understand. There was a job offer, my family. No, God brought you here. God has you here. God brought you to this church. You didn't just drive by. Nobody just invited you. That may have been what you checked on a card, but God orchestrated the choices of your life so that you're sitting in that red chair listening to this guy speak because God has a purpose for your life. Amen? There is something he's called you to do. You have an assignment. And your assignment will always include people. It's not to tile the bathroom. It's not to get the granite in the kitchen. Those are just projects. That's not your purpose in life. Your purpose in life isn't nine to five, filing, huh? Doing IT work. Those, that just pays bills. There has to be a human involved somewhere because God called us to be to be. People who are, introduce us, introduce people to a mediator to play matchmaker. There was a guy in North Florida that I talk about from time to time. His name was Doug, and he was the nicest guy, and he had a great family. But all he would talk about was this underground house he wanted to build. Oh, you don't know. I'm going to build a, an underground house. I'm like, why? Why, why would you want an underground house? Oh, no, it's so cool. It's cool in the summer, and it's warm in the winter. Who cares? We have air conditioning for that. <laughs> Aim higher than underground house. There has to be more to life than getting an underground house. And there's people who are just running themselves ragged for the most mundane, boring, insignificant things. Your life has value. And God did not bring you here just so you could take up space. God has an assignment for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Listen, it's the same as the apostle uh, Paul who, who was at Saul at this moment. 
God didn't just want to, to flip the script on him so he would stop persecuting Christians. God had so much more for his life than that. And if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. Amen? I said, if you're still breathing, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Listen, I'm sorry to, to burst y'all's bubble, but there's no such thing as retirement. It's not a biblical term. It's not in the Bible. There's no retirement in the Bible. You can retire from 9 to 5, but you never retire from God's purpose. You never retire from God's plan. God always has an assignment for your life. If you're still breathing, God has something for you to do. Amen? So how do we find it? Because the number one question I get asked all the time is, how do I find the will of God? How do I find the plan of God for my life? Well, Saul asked two questions, and they're the two greatest questions you could ever ask. And the first one is this, who are you, Lord? And the second one is, what do you want me to do? You'll never figure out the second one until you figure out the first one. So our life's pursuit should always be to know God, to pursue after God. Because if you know God, you'll know what to do because God wants you in his will more than you want to be there. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. It's not that mysterious. He's not spooky, huh? He's not out there. He's not, he's not weird. He's not strange. And you don't have to get weird or strange to figure out what your calling is. God wants to speak to you the same as he spoke to Saul. It was a voice that came from heaven. And that voice is going to speak to your life as well. It's going to be on the inside here. It could be through a friend, through a, through a prophetic voice, through a prophetic word. Most often, I believe God speaks to us through the, through the inner man. Just, just this still, small voice we hear on the inside of us. And if you think you're too far gone, if you think you've made too many mistakes, you just read Acts chapter 9 again because you'll find a guy that was as far gone, as far away from God as you could ever get. And God said, hey, you, just showed up, bright light. Hey, you, yes, you, Saul, I have something that you must do. Not could do, not should do, not ought to do. You have to do it. Everything else will leave you empty. Everything else will bore you. Everything else will, will leave you unsatisfied, unfulfilled. It doesn't matter how much money, what you buy. None of it will satisfy your life until you fulfill God's assignment on your life. Amen? And if you think you're hiding from God, huh? if you think that God doesn't see you and know exactly what's going on in your life, I'm here to tell you, he sees you. God showed me when I was just, just, just a young man this incredible, incredible event happened in my life. And, and he showed me in this moment that he always knows where I'm at. I was in a service in the early 90s at Trinity Church International in Lakewood, Florida. 
We were in a nighttime service with an evangelist who came by the name of Tim Story. It was an incredible, credible service. I'm not exaggerating when I say I saw things that night I have never seen before. He would, he would walk along the row and just grab somebody by the hand and, and tell the whole row to stand up and the whole row would fall under the power of God. Unrehearsed, people didn't even know each other, all of them gone. He would call people up and they're just dropping and he's praying for people, and incredible, incredible things are happening. Now, it was packed. The whole bottom floor was packed, and the balcony was packed. And I was a part of the youth group, and all the teenagers, we would all sit together. So we're taking up a whole section in the balcony. And so he's, he's preaching, and he's doing all these things and praying for people. And it's just incredible. I mean, our eyes are just coming out of our head. And he says, I want the entire youth group to come down here. I'm going to pray for all of them. Man, we were so excited. I was sitting next to this beautiful, beautiful, incredibly talented, wonderfully patient young lady who would go on to be my wife. And so... I was sitting next to her, and when we heard, I want the entire youth group to come down, we took off running, man. We got to almost where the balcony was, I mean the steps to go down into the main floor, and I heard him say, I want the entire youth group, everyone 18 and under. And when I heard him say that, I was just over 18, Cynthia was just under 18. We won't elaborate, but I was just over 18. <laughs> and she was just under 18. So I figured I can't go down there. If he said 18 and under, I'll die. And so <laughs> God did it before and he'll do it again. So I said, I said, oh man. So she turns and she looks at me with such compassion. And she says, aha! And she ran all the way down to the front. That's a true story. I should have known then what I know now. So, so I see about 60 teenagers gathered around the front of this stage, this auditorium. And he's, he's calling them up and he's pulling them up on the platform and he's praying for them. And he's prophesying over them. He's laying hands on them. They're falling out. I mean, it's just incredible. I see my friends down there, including one who is in his late 20s. And I'm like, God, kill him. If you're going <laughs> to look at him, he's lying. That old, old man, kill him. And so I had a terrible attitude. I just had a terrible attitude. I was angry. I'm in a section of the balcony by myself. There's not another soul there. I'm the only honest person. I'm sitting here just watching this take place. So he tells them all, 60 teenagers, he says, I want you guys to join hands. They all join hands. He said, breathe in. When they took a breath, all 60 of them, gone with just a handful who just stood there huddled up standing almost all of them gone just like that you couldn't rehearse it how many of you, you can't get teenagers to do stuff like that no 
Not, not together, not in unison, not going to happen. You could practice for weeks, that wouldn't go like, like that. No, that's not going to happen. All of them slain in the spirit, just instantly gone, flat. And I went, whoa. And I'm getting angry. I mean, I'm just like, that's it. I'm not talking to her for two weeks. For two weeks, this may, I may even break up. This may be it. This may be it. This may be the end of this relationship. I'm done with her. How could she look at me and just go, uh-huh, and just, I was so angry. I was so angry. And so Tim's story grabs the microphone. All teenagers are just flat, just flat out, and he says, Pastor Peters, I want you to call a young man up here, called into the ministry to close us out in prayer. And he hands Pastor the microphone. And Pastor says, Brian... Rosenbarger, come on down. Have you seen the prices right? Because I made them look tame. No, I, I, I suddenly felt two angels grab me by the arm and lift me and carry me down the stairs and bring me all the way to the front. And I passed by that young lady And I turned and I looked at her with such compassion. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. And I went right past her, right up to the stage. (laughs) And before I even got a chance to pray, man, he's just looking at me. I fell face forward right on the platform. And God just did a work in my heart. But here's the important part. I got up from there, and God spoke to me, and he said, don't ever think, I don't know where you're at, what you're doing, what's going on in your life, and I could take you from the back row to the platform instantly. Because I set one up, and I put another down. And so, listen, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what your past looks like. God does not consult your past to determine your future assignment. And you may be here today and you may think you've been forgotten, you've been passed over, that that, that, that assignment stuff is for other people. I'm here to tell you it is for you. God has an assignment for you. You are not here by accident. God orchestrated all the choices, not only of your life, your parents' life, and generations before you to get you to this moment right here so that you can hear these words, you have a purpose. Regardless of what you've done, God says you're forgiven. I've cleaned the slate. Listen, I've washed away your sin. I've put a fresh start in your life. I put your feet on a new path. Now it's time for you to go for it. Now it's time for you to run. You have an assignment on your life. Amen. And we have to find out what that is. And to do that, you have to pursue God. And you have to listen to his voice. And you have to say, God, speak to my heart. I want to hear what you have to say because there's something that I must do. Would you do this this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for you today. You say, well, pastor, I don't have one of those hey you moments. I, I, I don't have one of those, those 
testimonies. I, I don't think I've ever been singled out. I, I feel like I'm living in obscurity. I feel like I, I just totally am, am by myself. Listen, God is pointing his finger at you today. He's looking. You have heaven's attention. God wants to show you how valuable you are. Regardless of what life has handed you, regardless of poor choices that you've made, or regardless of what has happened to you because of the poor choices of others, God has an assignment for your life. And the devil is trying everything he can to get you to live in obscurity, to get you so consumed with stuff and things that don't matter, that are so insignificant. He's trying to get you so concerned with bank accounts, huh? And getting ahead and paying bills and going on vacations and doing all these things that when they amount, you know, they're all great and they're all necessary and we should all have them. But that's not our purpose in life. Somehow we have to reach people because someone's going to cross your path that nobody else could reach but you. God loves you that much to bring you here today so that you know when you put your head on your pillow tonight you've got this incredible destiny welling up on the inside now it's time to fulfill it